everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Moves Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about independent contractors, which has become a very, very hot topic at the moment in the world of business. And joining me today is one of Moves business development executives, John Jacks. John works from Cyprus, and he has a lot of experience with independent contractors, which is why I've asked him to join me today. So hi, John. Thank you for joining me. Hi. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. John, can you tell us a little bit, before I jump into things and I explain, you know, how the episode's going to go, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your role at Move, a little bit about yourself and what you do at Move? Yeah, I mean, I initially started with Move to look at sort of cold contacting clients for new business. Uh, that's obviously evolved into different roles. Um, I'm speaking to leads, uh, attending functions, um, last week I was in Las Vegas um, speaking to the potential clients about what we do and how we do it and how we can keep them safe. I've seen you, you know, do your magic uh, talking to people and you're really great. I think you have a really great way of connecting with people and helping them understand what can sometimes be quite complicated. I think our industry can be a little bit difficult to understand for some people. Absolutely. And that's why this topic that we're talking about today is also can be quite complicated if people are not familiar with it can be quite serious because like I said it's a hot topic at the moment because a lot of companies are you know getting in trouble for misclassifying their workers um, so although it's a very serious topic I wanted to do it in a sort of an, in a more fun way which is why I thought I'm gonna put 10 different myths to you, 10 different misconceptions around independent contractors. And I want you to explain to us why they're false or why they're true, if they're true. Certainly. Some of them have to do with um, sort of looking at it from the perspective of the company and others have to do with looking at it from the perspective of the worker. So myth number one that I've come across, uh, a really common one, is that a lot of companies believe it's very risky to engage independent contractors. Is that true? When we say risky, I mean, obviously, independent contractors, it's become widespread. Um, Organisations today can engage these individuals with minimum risk. But the key here is to ensure that the workers' classification and the po- you have a policy in place and guidelines to make sure that everything is done correctly. Um, you've probably heard in the news at the moment, there's a lot of high-profile cases going on. Um, I think one a very well-known sports brand at the moment, um, which has been investigated for misclassification, and they're actually potentially looking at a $4.3 million fine. But it's not just the authorities who are looking at it, companies. Um, another extremely well-known company that offer an alternative to taxis. They're actually being having a class lawsuit taken against them by the actual drivers who work for them, who believe that they are being misclassified and not getting the same benefits. So I think partnering with a, an organisation like Move Group, who can then give you put in place the right measures to minimise your risk and make sure that you're compliant, is probably extremely important if you are looking to employ independent contractors. Yeah, and I think, I have a feeling that that's that's a similar answer that I'm going to get uh, to a lot of these um, uh, myths that I'm going to put to you because 
what's important is that you find the right partners. I mean, and that's with anything really. Uh, if you don't have the right partner, even the simplest thing can become can get you into trouble. So I think it all comes down to that. Uh, absolutely, and I would just add as well that you know, a lot of companies are quick to give advice on independent contractors purely because it's easier for them. Right. But it's not necessarily the right advice for the client. Right. Okay, let me move on to the second one, which is the project-based economy. So essentially, you know, how independent contractors work is just a trend. So it's something that is going to pass in a year or two. What do you have to say about that? Well, I've dealt with independent contractors going back to uh, the very early 2000s. Um, and studies have proved that, you know, it's totally the opposite. Project-based economy is here to stay. Um, independent talent, they provide organisations with numerous benefits, not just financial, but staff and flexibility. Um, and more importantly, it gives them access to specialised expertise from countries outside of their own. You know, many traditional employees are even turning to independent work. You know, they want the freedom it provides. And we believe that probably over the next five years, probably 50% of the population would have tried independent work right. in one way or another right so it's definitely here to stay oh without a doubt great okay myth number three independent contractors are only useful for short-term work again this is something i hear all the time people that think that um you can't engage them for you know long-term projects yeah i mean obviously the biggest advantage to employing independent staff uh, or sorry, taking on independent staff, is that staffing flexibility. It does mean if you've got a short-term project that you need somebody to do, you can employ them, they will do it, and at the end of it, they've gone. But many independent workers work with clients on long-term projects. Um, I know a very, very um, well-known pension provider in the UK who have had contractors working for them for years you know, so establishing a long-term relationship with contractors who work well with the company, it is a benefit to using that talent pool. Great. Okay, myth number four. There are no financial benefits uh, for, you know, the company to engage an independent contractor rather than having an employee. What do you have to say about that? Competition for talent at the moment, it is increasing at a rate that people can't comprehend. Um, it will continue to rise. And with that, the cost of employment will continue to rise. So engaging them sort of on a as needed basis is often, often more cost effective than hiring full-time employees who may not be needed for the long run. But independents are experts in their field. They can save businesses time and money on training, onboarding, management and obviously independent contractors are responsible for their own health insurance taxes and other benefits that are provided to full-time employees um, and also independents generously have a, a set bill rate so the client knows exactly where it's going to cost them to employ that expert to do the job that they want them to do right and having covered now the the sort of topic of how much they cost, which is obviously a huge um, uh, factor to consider for companies, 
What's also important is to consider how complicated uh, it is or how difficult it is to actually manage them. So that brings me to myth number five, which is um, a lot of companies believe that managing independent contractors is a lot harder than uh, managing an employee. It's a very good point, but I think the most important thing that we have to remember here is, is contractor-client relationships, as with any relationship, begins with communication. If you start with a clear written RFP that states what you want them to do, what your vision is, what their requirements are, you'll be able to attract the right talent from the start. Um, once you've found that person, you've got to work together. You've got to make sure you draft a contract that defines their scope, the mythology, everything that you require the project to do. Because if you start on the white right foot in terms of communications, it will only help to create a positive working relationship with the independent contractors as you would do with your full-time employees. Right, I agree. I don't think there's any difference there. It does come down to good communication. Um, right, so this next one is one that I'm quite shocked. Uh, I think a lot of us in the, in the industry are quite shocked when we come across and we see a company still making this m- mistake. But, you know, it is, uh, we come across it quite often. And that is, some companies believe that if you're, classified as an independent contractor under one law then you're contra- then you're classified as an independent contractor under all laws tell us a little bit about that the trouble is there's no actual single test that can evaluate every single independent contractor's status across the globe also sort of a general rule companies should analyze the degree of control that they have over the worker and the independence of the worker so for example in one country it may say that that worker can do x but in another country it will say that that independent contractor can't do that so it really is dependent on the laws at issue um, and different tests apply and, and us as a company we evaluate every single independent contra, contractor or AO role on an independent basis it's physically impossible to say that every single contractor under one test is compliant or non-compliant, misclassified or classified correctly. It's physically impossible. Right. And I think that's, we see that a lot uh, from some other, some of our competitors in the industry where they sort of, they do sort of a blanket statement of what an independent contractor is, a blanket test. But like you've just explained, that's just not possible. You have to work on a case by case basis. Yeah. Uh, I had the pleasure of talking to quite a few companies in uh, at, at Trum, um in Las Vegas, um, and the general feeling was is that it's easy for these companies to tell them to do it because it negates any risk that the the, the company has who are advising them, um, but it's not necessarily the right way to go. Right. Great. Okay. So myth number seven. Um, Now this one's a little bit uh, complicated. I'll try to explain it the best way I can. That is, you can engage someone as an independent contractor as a trial period, and then you can go on to hire them as an employee. So what I mean is a lot of companies, um, I think most, you know, we take on an employee and we have like those initial three to six months that are the trial period. And a lot of companies believe that those few months, that worker is actually classified as an independent contractor. And only once that trial period is over, are they then an employee? So tell us about whether or not that's, that's correct. 
I've, I've come across this on numerous occasions. Companies think that it's perfectly okay. They can hire somebody as an independent contractor for a few months on a trial period. If they work great, you know, then let's get them on. Let's get them employed um, when the trial period's up. Unfortunately, if you've been doing this, you may not have been following the law, particularly if the nature of the relationship between the work performed were the same during the trial period as they were when you hired the person as employee. Classifying someone as an independent contractor has nothing to do with time frame or trial periods. Classification depends on the facts of each case, applications of the appropriate tests and differences in the interpretation of these tests by courts and administration agencies across the globe. Right. Right. I think that's pretty clear then. So, um, you know, short sort of trial periods like that don't automatically make that uh, that worker an independent contractor. Absolutely not. Uh, right. To my next point, myth number eight. Uh, it's up to the worker whether they want to be an employee or uh, an independent contractor. And again, just to explain this a little bit, there are a lot of cases, especially nowadays since the pandemic, where a lot of a lot of workers now want more flexibility they want to work from home they want to work more flexible hours and some people seem to some workers seem to make the mistake uh, they think that that makes them an independent contractor so explain to us why that's not true you'll probably get from the, the, the point of from how i'm answering here the short answer to this is no they haven't okay the worker doesn't get to choose their classification all right scenarios come up for many employers one of the common examples is where a worker wants flexibility. They want to be able to do what they want. Um, maybe they propose an arrangement where it allows them to work from home, just like I do. Uh, they want to set their own hours, um, just like I do. So they suggest I'll be an independent contractor. Again, the nature of this relationship falls under that of an employee-employer relationship under applicable tests. The workers should be classified as an employee, just like I am. You know, of course, it doesn't bar you from creating flexible work arrangements. Uh, you know, I'm very fortunate where I have a very flexible work arrangement with Move Group. They know that I talk to clients in the States. Um, I talk to clients in Asia, so I need that flexibility. Okay, and developing a remote work or flexible policy with employees is perfectly fine but it's up to the employer to determine the best strategy for that team. Right. And and this goes to, I think this advice goes to workers as well. If, if the company, if their employer does try to insinuate that they are an independent contractor, if they choose to work in that way, the worker should know that, no, you know, they are still entitled to the same benefits that they would be if they were an employee because they are still an employee. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, we're, we are... Um, actively encouraging independent contractors to reach out to us if they need any assistance or confirmation on their particular role um, of what they're doing currently. Right, exactly. We don't want anyone to be taken advantage of. Correct. Right. Myth number nine. If a worker signs an independent contractor agreement, then that means they're an independent contractor. <laughs> <laughs> an independent contractor agreement is not necessarily dispositive to independent contractor status. Um, many tests for independent contractor status generally give very little weight 
to the parties' characterizations of the relationship, including written agreements. So, to put it another way, my name's John. Um, if at Shrum last week I had a badge on me that said Fred, it doesn't make me a Fred. I'm still John. <laughs> right, exactly. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Right. Okay. And myth number ten. Uh, this came. I, I read this from someone. They said my boss calls me an independent contractor, not an employee, but it it really doesn't matter as long as I'm getting paid. What would you say to that worker? Again, I think th- th- this is because independent contractors are happy just to not rock the boat. But if you've been misclassified as independent contractor, you've got to remember you're being denied benefits and protections to which employees are legally entitled to. You know, misclassification also has a negative effect on businesses. Workers who are employees have access to important benefits like um, child benefit, maternity benefit, um, unemployment benefits, sickness benefit, health benefits, I can just keep going on. The right to a minimum wage, overtime pay, the list is endless. Uh, uh, A misclassification, it also hurts companies who do follow the rules, business owners who do want to make sure that their employees are protected and get what they're entitled to. And this, again, uh, relates back to the, the case going on in the States at the moment with this alternative to taxis, um, where the it's a class lawsuit that has been taken by the workers who are saying, we are doing what you are telling us to do. We are controlled by you. We are controlled by your app. But you don't want to pay us what we should be getting right. as a bona fide employee. Right. Yeah. So employees need to be aware that it doesn't just come down to what they're getting paid. There's a lot more that comes with it, a lot more benefits they could be entitled to that they could be missing. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not just about the income. It's about the whole benefits that they're entitled to that they're not getting as an independent contractor. Right, exactly. And you brought up a few times uh, the event that you recently went to, Sherm. And um, like we said, this has been in the news a lot lately. We've seen a lot of companies that have been fined huge amounts, like you said earlier, um, with the, was it the sports, was it a sports company you mentioned? The sports, yeah, the sports company, yeah. But you said when you were at Sherm, uh, you said this to me previously as well, you noticed yourself that that the people that you spoke to were a lot more aware of this happening and maybe have become a lot more conscious about it? Yeah, I, th- I think uh, one of the gentlemen I was speaking to actually it has uh, reached back out to me um, on LinkedIn and we are now actively speaking with them, um, actually said something was quite relevant to what we're discussing here. And he said that sticking your head in the sand with regards to independent contractors is all well and good but unfortunately you don't know who's going to come and bite you on the backside (laughs) and I think that's so true it was quite apt that he said it to me but it actually is true you know the the, the authorities the IRS HMRC tax authorities across the globe are not interested in what you've been advised to do because to them ignorance is not a defence 
So it's up to you as a company, it's up to you as an employer to ensure that your independent contractors are classified correctly to avoid any risk to you or your workers moving forward. Great. And just to, to wrap up uh, with a few of the things that you mentioned that I think we, we ought to mention again to sort of highlight. Uh, one of the things was what we said in the beginning, that if a company is advised by someone who claims to be an expert, that there is a sort of one test that they can run across all of their workers to see whether they fall under an employer or an independent contractor or a sort of blanket um, sort of rule we want to stress that that's not true. You have to look at each one uh, on a case-by-case basis to decide. The, 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 the problem is it's, it's so easy to say to a company, just go down that route. Right. It's very easy to do that. Uh, the, the, the challenge that you've got there is, is that independent contractor rules, as I said earlier in the USA, are totally different to the UK, are totally different to the Far East. Um, and I think the biggest challenge you've got at the moment is now that it's so much in the news in the USA, other tax authorities across the globe are taking note. Right. Unfortunately, independent contractors have been seen by tax authorities as we call a an easy, easy case. Right. It's very easy to get them. It's very easy to get money out of them because they've got nowhere to turn, nobody to speak to. You know, and all I would say is that whether you're an independent contractor or a company employing independent contractors, there is somebody you can turn to. Most group are there. They can advise you on individual cases, on group cases. Um, and although, yes, you know, people will say, but it's only an opinion. It's nearly 30 decades of experience, opinion. Right, exactly. And not only can we advise, uh, advise. Uh, I think you mentioned this earlier, not only can we advise the company, but we can also help individuals who, are, Absolutely. who aren't sure whether they have been classified in the right way and they want to make sure that they have been. So Absolutely. And, and you know, a, a lot of the people who I spoke to in Las Vegas said to me, if we are misclassifying... What can we do? There are alternatives. There are ways that we can help you to ensure that if you were to be investigated by the authorities in your country, we can put procedures and things in place to make sure that you're as safe as you possibly and compliant as you possibly can be. Great. And that's really reassuring for companies. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, And the, the nice thing just in ending is, is that, you know, the companies who I did speak to in Las Vegas, they're the ones reaching out to me now to ask me, how can we help you? Yeah, I think because it's become such a, you know, not, they don't want to get caught out like all these other companies have been over the past few years that we keep seeing in the news. Um, so Correct. They're a lot more aware and it's good that they're being proactive and taking steps to make sure that they're, um, if, if they're not already compliant, to become compliant. Correct. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you, John. I think you've explained that really well. Uh, Like I said, it can be a complicated um, topic. It's a very serious one. And the myths that I put to you are the ones that we come across the most often, the ones that I've come across online a lot, the ones that I think uh, a lot of requests that we get. Um, So I hope that sort of clears 
clears up some of the the basic questions that uh, could be out there. But of course, like with anything, if people want uh, to know more, if they want to know more about their specific case, they can always get in touch with you. And absolutely, please just connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, drop us an email and uh, fill in our um, inquiry form on our website. Um, we will come back to you immediately and try and help you out. Great. Well, thank you very much, John. It was great having you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye.